We're all my children of the light, born in the sinning, but steady striving to do right. My people are warriors, all we know is to fight. Pray, they see God in everything I write. Yeah. Hi, everybody. It's another special edition of On One with Angela Rye. This is the Meet the Candidate series, and today we will be talking to John Ossoff, who is running for the United States Senate out of Georgia. I'm going to see if he is on with us now, and it looks like he's not quite here. Um, But yes, we are talking about uh, the Senate as we get through this final stretch. Um, I've been doing my job in talking to candidates um, all over the country, people who are running for races up and down the ballot. Um, I hope that you all have learned something. I will certainly miss you all, but I will not miss the amount of time this is taken. Um, and hopefully this will result in some very, very good results going into um, this election. I know many of you all are probably very disappointed by the Supreme Court ruling that we cannot um, turn in ballots via mail um, on Election Day. Anything um that will arrive after election day means it will not be counted. So I hope for those of you who have requested absentee ballots that you will um, submit those ballots uh, by drop off, drop those suckers off at early vote locations, at your precincts, um, and in official uh, drop boxes. So I am going to see one more time if he's here. I do not see him. Um, I am going to. Angela. Hey, I'm sorry to keep you waiting. That's all right. It's just a couple minutes. If it makes you feel any better, I have done these and have kept people waiting longer than that. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm just getting this this fixed in here. (laughs) You got it? How are you doing? It's great to see you. It's so good to see you. Um, I actually have a story for uh, the folks who are on here listening. I was thinking about how we met and um, what I think is so important about this, John, while you're, you know, really in the streets all throughout Georgia running this race. um, We met when you worked for Congressman Johnson. That's right. We were preparing for um, what we called the For the People Jobs Initiative for the Congressional Black Caucus and your office. And you especially were such a joy to work with. And I want people Um, who are my friends and people who are tuned in today to know that your heart has always been for the people, whether you were seeking elected office at the time or not. And so while there were all of those folks in Georgia unemployed, and as Mr. Lewis ran out the door to beat most of of us to go hand out bottles of water, um, you weren't far behind. And so I want to personally thank you for your dedication to um, people who are doing this work every single day, sometimes unappreciated. I'm thinking about essential workers like your wife um, and so many others. And just wanted to take a moment to ground this conversation in gratitude to say thank you for what I know you've been doing when people have not been watching and when they are watching. So that's all. That is so kind of you. And I, I was, I've always been bragging on you because as your star has been rising and you've been on television and your social media presence has been so profound and powerful and you've become this extraordinary voice, especially prominent and important for young people. I always say to people, oh, I knew Angela back when and I used to work with Angela and uh, it's just been really, I, I felt a lot of pride and um, 
it's been great to see what you have been achieving in these last few years. And I'm glad you remember from those that that was in the early days. That was, uh, you know, when that 2008 recession. Yeah. And we were trying to do everything that we could to relieve pain for people in Georgia and across the country and working with the CBC to do that. And uh, I'm I'm honored that you remember that. Yeah, that means those are like, <laughs> we always laugh, talk about the haze up because before traveling for speeches and stuff, John, that was the time where my team, Stephanie and Brandon and Latrice, that was the most we'd ever traveled in our lives, like back to back. So we were waking up in cities because there's five cities we wake up and she's like, where are we? <laughs> we didn't know where we were. So I know. That How that are started- Brandon and Latrice? Oh, they're good. They're doing so good. Yeah. So good. tell them I said, hey. I will, or if y'all are watching, John. Yeah, if Brandon and Latrice are watching, then pop pop in the comments. Stephanie might be too busy, but I'm sure you've seen her around with when we all vote too. So she's all out here crushing it. So, so now that we have all the good news out the way, let's talk about the bad news. I want to get to um, what you are thinking, your reaction to Amy Coney Barrett being confirmed to the Supreme Court. Um, what you're hearing on the streets, your personal reaction to that, and what you think we need to be doing next? Well, I mean, at the raw gut level, what I felt was deep apprehension about the future of judicial precedent and legislation that is so important for the people of my state and people across the country. You know, we're now faced with the real possibility of the uh, Affordable Care Act being struck down and its protections for people with pre-existing conditions, letting us go back to those days when insurance companies could deny coverage because someone in our family had asthma or diabetes or high blood pressure. I'm, I'm really worried about the future of Roe v. Wade and the privacy of women's health care. I think that Roe v. Wade is hanging by a thread now. Uh, I'm really worried about the future of the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. I mean, in, in Shelby v. Holder, they already struck down Section 4B of the VRA. And that's why officials like Brian Kemp have been able to get away with so much here in Georgia without having to go and get preclearance from the Department of Justice, as you know. And I'm deeply worried now that the court will proceed to further gut vital voting rights and civil rights laws, which were the fruit of the labor and the outcome of all of the sacrifice in the early and mid-1960s. You know, all of that is, I mean, their folks want to take us back. That's that's the bottom line. And I think that it it has elevated the, the sense of the importance of the Senate among voters. And so, you know, whereas maybe, well, I think, you know, sometimes in the past, especially when there's a such a high profile presidential election, you're always concerned that people might not vote all the way down the ballot. And one right. of the things that I want to that I want to put out there while I have this extraordinary platform, which is your Instagram uh, channel is to just look, we all got to be encouraging everybody we know to vote all the way down the ballot. Um, and I think that people have a, uh, a real sense of how important the Senate is now, not just as a lawmaking body, but as the body that confirms judges. Yeah. And, and I think that that is motivating people to take care, make sure they vote in these Senate races as well as the presidential. You know, um, one of the things, too, that I was thinking about is um, knowing that, as you said, health care is on the ballot, Um, knowing that next or the week after the election, 
they are likely going to like vote to gut the ACA. Um, the Supreme Court will, you know, hear this case. We know that the opinions come out in the summer, but they are likely to gut the ACA. What is your, how will you respond to that? Knowing that you, you are married to a healthcare provider um, and it's such a critically important role, especially in the response to COVID, John. So what's, what's going to be your response in the United States Senate? Well, this is one of the reasons we have to take control of the Senate is because the court will hear those oral arguments on the ACA November 10th, but they likely won't rule until late spring. And it's going to be so important that we have a Senate which will act swiftly to take whatever action is necessary to restore protections for pre-existing conditions, to restore the expansion of Medicaid if the ACA in full is struck down. So this is just another reason that the Senate is so important. And this is really about insurance companies against the people. And the reason that GOP legislators like David Perdue, my opponent, are so hell-bent and have been for so long on repealing the Affordable Care Act is that they're working for the insurance companies. And the insurance companies want to be able to make as much money as possible without having to worry about providing insurance to people who are already sick. And it's also just because it's Barack Obama's signature achievement and all of the particular malice that they have for Barack Obama for both partisan reasons and race-related reasons is still being manifest in this obsession with the ACA. Like truly obsessed. Like how many times did they vote to try to repeal it in addition? Obsessed. (laughs) And and, and the, the people, the people want, the bill. I mean, the people want these protections. It's an unpopular position, but right. they just, it, they're, they're, they got tunnel vision on it. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. And so I think that the other thing that we have to just get through is the responsibility of the court to uphold the law versus the um, evolving responsibility of a Republican uh, led or nominated court, which they now believe is legislating from the bench, right? It's hyper-political. And so, John, I got to ask you this. Where do you stand on, and I don't think it's called packing, but where do you stand on balancing the power that is the court? Where do you stand on ensuring that it isn't overtly partisan and hyper-political on the bench? Where do you stand on that? And I'm sorry because the dog's losing her. No, you're good. You're good. I don't think that expanding the court is justified because of the confirmation of a justice that we may disagree with on policy or ideology. Mm -hmm. What I do think is that we need to start talking about term limits for federal judges so that each presidency has equal impact mm-hmm. on the nature of the federal judiciary. And we do have to step back and consider what other judicial reforms are necessary to ensure that the courts don't just become a partisan ideological weapon. Right. Because that is exactly what we're talking about is judges who are going to pursue. And I know you got to take care of that. No, I'm like, he's not going <laughs> to stop barking. apparently stop. Okay. <laughs> Um, judges who are going to pursue a partisan ideological agenda Mm -hmm. rather than impartially uphold the rule of law and defend the public interest. So, and this has been a long-term GOP effort, as you know, well, through the Federalist Society 
And they're appointing a lot of young, young, young right wing judges to these lifetime appointments. I mean, I think we need to have her. She's been on the bench, period, for three years, John. And do you remember like this debate around Merrick Garland when we were talking about um, and I can't think of the sister's name, super like incredibly qualified black woman who was related to Paul Ryan through marriage. And they Mm. were saying that because she hadn't been on a circuit court, she was not qualified. She had more extensive experience than Amy Coney Barrett. And it's just weird how when it's time to talk about people of color, they have to be hyper qualified, but other folks can cut corners. So that's immensely frustrating to me, Um, especially when you look at how she's ruled on cases like, I don't know, hostile work environments and people saying the N word like, anyway. It's a mess. And, and these are lifetime appointments and not lifetime. just at the Supreme Court, every federal court. And, and right. it's worth asking whether that makes a lot of sense, because, I mean, you know, we, we don't want the courts to become a partisan weapon. That's right. That's right. And and well, this isn't a podcast about the Supreme Court, but yes, it's it's a it's a large problem, especially when they're not um, appointing people based on the quality of their experience. They're nominating people to the court who they know will share their values, legislate their values. And as you said, take us backwards. And to the point about taking us backwards, John, you've been pretty vocal about um, the importance of having a new civil rights act and real CJ reform, criminal justice reform. Um, When you're sworn into the United States Senate, we're claiming uh, you got to name it and claim it. What do you think that looks like? What are you, what is your what is the first um, thing that you'll do to ensure that we're cl- further down the road as it relates to a civil rights act and a and CJ reform? Well, first of all, I'll be ready to co-sponsor and champion passage in the Senate of the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. And then we have to go further. We do need a new civil rights act. Mm-hmm. And what a new civil rights act should do in my opinion is empower the civil rights division at the Department of Justice, which, you know, for everyone watching, we were just talking about the Voting Rights Act. I'm going to let him outside because now they're in the comments saying the dog is hungry. The dog eats cooked food. It's not that. He gets mad at the doorbell. doesn't care if there's a burglar. He cares about the doorbell. So let me handle this, John. No, you're good. This is, uh, this is IG Live. So. This is him. Look at this. Oh, there's flowers. You see the flowers, John? Okay, Who sent I, you flowers? I don't know. I, it might just be I have a delivery that brings me two bouquets. Normally it's on Tuesday. Is today Tuesday? It's Wednesday. Yes, it is. It's Today's Tuesday. Tuesday? It's Tuesday. Jeez. It's been a long week, John. I didn't have <laughs> it's a been break. a long year. <laughs> they said, they said, what a um, they said, what a what a year this month has been. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, right. No, someone else was saying it's it's someone else was saying like it's March. It's March 200th. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So anyway, he's barking at the flowers to be fine. The, dog well, the flowers are a threat. John, so, so the first thing. Okay, I so look, George Justice- Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Yeah. Right. Um, but then we have to go further. We need a new Civil Rights Act. A new Civil Rights Act would empower the Civil Rights Division at DOJ. And I was just saying that because we were just talking about the Voting Rights Act. It's the same agency, as you know, at the Department of Justice that was responsible for pre-clearing changes to voting procedure to protect black voters 
before the Shel- before the Shelby County Beholder case struck down Section 4 of the VRA. So the Civil Rights Division at DOJ yeah. needs to be able to hold local departments, individual officers, prosecutors, and judges accountable where there is race or class bias in policing or criminal justice. I mean, we, you know, the 14th Amendment of our Constitution already guarantees equal protection. But here in Georgia, when a young black man named Ahmaud Arbery is shot to death in the street in broad daylight on camera, and local police and prosecutors just look away, that makes a mockery of equal protection under the law. And it won't change until there are consequences for that. And that's why we need a new Civil Rights Act. We know as well that um, it's not just the DOJ that has a Civil Rights Division. Every federal agency does. And under this administration, um, virtually every um, agency um, every federal government um, entity has either gutted their civil rights division or they have significantly reduced the budget for the civil rights divisions. Um, the other thing I know you've heard of, John, they have pivoted away from racial justice in the civil rights divisions and agencies and shifted their focus to religious discrimination for Christians, for Christians. Because they're apparently, we are, because I'm a Christian, the most persecuted class. Not uh, Islamophobia, not folks who are Buddhist or Hindu or, you know, like a more of a minority religion. Like, that's how they've shifted that. What are some of the things that you think are important um, in terms of ensuring that we restore what civil rights divisions in, I don't know, the Department of Education, <laughs> at EPA, uh, at Commerce? What should they really be doing? And under your watch, what will they be doing? Well, look, this is about there being remedies in place for people who face discrimination. Yeah. And consequences for people who discriminate on the basis of race, on the basis of religion, on the basis of ethnicity or national origin. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the most important things that we need to do is to pass the Equality Act. Mm-hmm. and add gender and sexual orientation as protected classes so that discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation is equally a violation of federal civil rights law. We need to be strengthening civil rights laws in the United States. And here's the thing that just zoom, we just zoom out for a second, if, yeah. you'll, if you'll bear with me, because this is also about what's happening in Georgia. Since the early 1970s, the GOP's strategy in Georgia And across the South, the Southern strategy has been about dividing people along racial and cultural lines Mm -hmm. so that multiracial coalitions can't emerge that recognize, for example, shared health interests or shared economic interests. When when David Perdue, my opponent, takes the microphone at a Trump rally and uses his platform to demean and belittle Kamala Harris for her heritage and mock her name. That is that same strategy. Dog whistles, overt racism, not discussing issues of substance or health or economic justice or opportunity or education, just bigotry. That doesn't work in Georgia anymore. That is an old, tired playbook that the people of this state are rejecting. Here's how I'm bringing this back around to the Civil Rights Act. Mm -hmm. There is a new multiracial coalition in the South, which not only supports 
expanding access to healthcare and economic opportunity and debt-free public college and economic justice, but most importantly, also supports criminal justice reform and strengthens civil rights laws. And if we win these races, the next two years can be the most productive legislatively for civil rights and voting rights since 1964, 1965. You um, obviously come from, you know, Georgia, Atlanta specifically, where, um, of course, we just lost Congressman John Lewis, who I know was a mentor of yours. Um, Having worked for a CBC member, I know that you're committed to, you know, the ideals that they hold fast to, which, you know, which is why we call them the conscience of the Congress. Um, but I, I'm just curious, John, there are so many other things, right, going on um, that really have been exposed because of COVID. We know racism for people who had been blind to the facts for a long time. They had never really seen what it was exposed with George Floyd um, or Richard Brooks or Ahmaud Arbery or Breonna Taylor. But there are so many other things that you will have to go in and champion um, and really advocate for in the Senate. I'm curious to know how you will rely on your congressional staff experience um, to help you become an even stronger senator, well-researched senator, a super-prepared senator. I think it's important that people recognize and understand that you're not just diving into this. Like You got a resume for this a little bit, and I think um, that's an important part of this. You're not a lifelong a politician who's run for office. You did have one race where you fell short, and so did Barack Obama, right? <laughs> so I want people to know um, how you'll draw from your experience from working uh, with a member of Congress. Well, the opportunity that I had to work in, for example, Congressman Johnson's office when you and I first met, which feels like three lifetimes ago, wasn't actually <laughs> even that long ago. I know. Um, You know, one of the things that it revealed to me was how, and I'm sure you saw this as well during your time on the Hill, how many members of Congress are really underutilizing the the resources and authority that they have to improve people's lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think a lot of members of Congress just get up there and start feeling comfortable and don't use their staff in the way that Congressman Johnson did, for example, to do so much good every day behind the scenes. Whether it's demanding answers from federal officials who are abusing their power or standing up for workers who are facing, you know, uh, just something as simple as a letter from a U.S. senator can change someone's life who is facing intimidation or retaliation for whistleblowing. Yes. Right. There there, it is. It is a it is an office imbued with a lot of power and authority. That's why when David Perdue squanders it to belittle Kamala Harris for her heritage, it's it's not just poor leadership. It's also um, a symbol of how he is totally failing to grasp that he could be using this office for good. I mean, the other thing I want to say in terms of the impact that that experience had on me, I'm going to pull this off the wall right here. If we had a wider shot, if it weren't IG Live, you'd see this in the frame. (laughs) But I keep this right here. This is a cartoon. See if you can see that. Wow. by Mike Lukovich, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution cartoonist. It's called The Bridge, and it depicts Congressman Lewis bridging the chasm with his body so that people can reach the polling place. And that symbolizes the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge Mm -hmm. and his life's work. And 
when I think about the impact that Congressman Lewis had on me, and I know that he had a profound impact on you as well, he had such a clear moral compass. And, and, and his worldview was, it was so nuanced, but also there was a simplicity to it. Yeah. He taught that the way we build the beloved community is by making sure that everybody has access to the basics, mm-hmm. affordable housing, affordable health care, yeah. education, dignified work with a living wage, equal justice, five things, affordable housing, affordable health care, education, a living wage and equal justice. The problem we have in America is too many people lack access to the basics. That basic philosophy will in, will will guide how I conduct myself in the Senate. That's good, John. And there's no better navigator than John Lewis. I love that cartoon. I think, um, I, well, one, I want to shout out Mo Ivory, who came in here dropping websites that I should have put up. So I, I posted and <laughs> pinned her comment. I want to hey, shout Mo. her out. I, I don't know if she's still here. Um, but I also want to go to something as fundamental as math. Um, you know, Georgia, they have not yet declared it a purple state. Um, we know that there have been some experts involved in purging and doing all kinds of things to, um, tamper with results. Uh, that is definitely my story and I'm sticking to it about 16 and 18. What are you relying on, um, John, to, um, kind of guides you to victory. Like I, it's hard to trust this system, um, given all the many ways that we've seen them fudge with it, whether it's the failure of Mitch McConnell and the Senate GOP to even consider HR one, which would have, you know, given states funding to ensure that elections can't be interfered with. Um, and we know just recently that they found that Russia and Iran were, you know, tampering with voting rolls. How are you, you know, positioning yourself and grounding yourself in? I I'm going to trust the outcome of this election. Like, I feel good about it. What are you relying on in that when we don't have the leadership of the Senate, right, to ensure that they're just doing the bare minimum? Um, and then, of course, we know that the Supreme Court is saying they're not counting ballots that arrive. Wisconsin doesn't have to count ballots that arrive after election day, even if they were postmarked before election day. Talk They're doing that it. same thing here. They're doing that same That's thing right. here, which which actually leads me to just, you know, I know I mentioned earlier, listen, everybody needs to tell everybody they know, vote all the way down the ballot. The yes. other thing that we need to get out there is if you are still sitting on a mail ballot, if you haven't sent it in yet, don't send it in. Take it to a drop box. Please. Take it to a drop box. Get or everybody you know. Or take it direct to a precinct, yeah. right? If you are in Georgia, you can go to electjohn.com. Mo Ivory's dropped it in the comments. Go to electjohn.com, click on voting, or you can go to electjohn.com slash dropbox. Find all those locations. It is too late now to send those in by mail. That's right. So take it to a drop box. So I wanted to make sure to get that out there. I'm probably going to say it again at the end. To, yeah, to the bro- just for a moment, because yeah. I know that like, you, you have to almost be on autopilot. And I just from your humanity, how does that make you feel to have to say that to voters, people who are just trying to exercise their franchise? You just held up a, a cartoon of John Lewis allowing us to ro- walk over his back to get to the, the voting booths, to the polls. 
And these folks are walking all over not only his legacy, but all of the folks who we can't name. It makes me furious. Right? And not just that, right? The same senators who issue these statements honoring Congressman Lewis' life's work on his passing are the same people obstructing voting rights legislation in the Senate because they stand to benefit when people are disenfranchised. It's James Crow Esquire. It's a story as old as the South. It's the new poll tax and the new literacy test. There are officials in this state who don't want black people to vote and who abuse their authority to keep black people from being able to vote. And it's an absolute disgrace. And it is an affront to the principles of our democracy and to basic standards of decency and human rights. And my team and I are doing everything that we can to protect ballot access. And I look, the the other side of what I feel in my heart Mm -hmm. is this intense gratitude and admiration and awe at what people are willing to go through and persevere through to vote. Because when people recognize that there are officials trying to take away the sacred, hard-fought right to vote, which people like Congressman Lewis and so many others shed blood for, mm-hmm. the people are only galvanized in their determination to defend voting rights by exercising them. And we are seeing that kind of inspirational demonstration here in Georgia. We need a new Voting Rights Act. Yeah, We will only be able to pass a new Voting Rights Act by winning these Senate races. And that's why Look, everybody out there, like th- this has to be a ground up movement style, get out the vote effort, unlike anything we've seen in American history. And yes, the turnout has been through the roof, but the numbers I'm seeing do not make me comfortable. Mm-hmm. We need more. We need everybody to get out and to get everybody to get out. We cannot let up for one minute. There's just a week left and early voting in Georgia ends on Friday. Well, I might have to come Friday, John. I might have to come on Friday. You should come down to Georgia. Put me to work. I'm going. Be careful what you promise now. I'm I'm going. I'm going. I'm ready. I'm going to Michigan tomorrow. I'm going. Let me know. You you just signed yourself up. Now, Now we're doing a live event. Hey, let's go, John. Let's go. All right, so my team that's watching, y'all got to start making plans now. <laughs> we got to go. We got to do this for Mr. Lewis, y'all. Let's go. Yes, do this for John Lewis. Do it for, I mean, I, I was speaking and at the John Biden Oscar. rally do today. Do it for all the Johns. I was speaking at the Biden rally today, and I was saying, look, y'all, I'm not, I'm not. I meant to I'm ask not, you about that. Well, I'm what still happened? here. <laughs> I, I, I said, I said, I am not asking y'all to get out the vote for my sake. This mm-hmm. is not about me. This is not about any politician. This isn't about any political party. Yeah. We listen, everybody, I'm 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 coming to you direct right now. We can't we can't do another four years of this. We really cannot do another four years of this. And and so everybody take action after this IG live. Everybody text three fan, friends after this IG live. If you haven't made the plan to vote yet, make the plan right now. Yeah. But we're in the home stretch and, and we have the opportunity to change the world, but it takes all of us. It does. John, I'm coming and I'm going to bring you some AirPods because it looks like you only have one. So I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> this is my IG live setup. No, I'm, do you have the other AirPods? 
I have the other AirPods. Okay, I got well, it right then here. I'm not bringing no AirPods, but I'm coming. Mo, I'm coming. Text me and tell me what I got to do. And then I'm supposed to talk to um to Reverend Warnock tomorrow. And um, I'm going to do that from the road because I got to go to Flint tomorrow with Black Voters Matter. But I'm going to come okay. after that. I'm coming. Hey. Well, I love it. I look Thank forward to you, seeing John. you. I'm so glad. I meant to ask you about the rally, so I'm so glad you got to that. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being your authentic self on here. Thank you for never changing, for being exactly who you were when we met you, um, our CBC team, so long ago. Well, you said it wasn't that long ago. It, it feels like I guess it was. It's, what, I mean, it's we like probably met. We met over ten years ago. Yeah, it's been yeah. it's been a decade. Well, y'all, he's been the same person. So if you're in Georgia, vote John Ossoff. If you're not in Georgia, how can they support you, John? If you're not in Georgia. Look at what Mo Ivory has dropped in the comments here. It's electjohn, electjon.com. And uh, throw in a dollar so that we can protect ballot access here. Sign up to volunteer. We'll get you to work phone banking so you can make sure people know where to go drop off their ballots. But thank you, Angela. Much love. Good health to everybody out there uh, watching. And let's just do this, y'all. And Angela, I'll see you in a couple of days. I'll see you in a couple of days. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Um, that was John Ossoff. Thank you for tuning in. This is another special edition of Meet the Candidates. And um, shout out to my girl, Mo Ivory, for dropping the website in here so we could have that up. Y'all, I guess I'm going to Georgia. We got a race to win or a couple or several. We got some voting to do. Y'all know this is also a census year, so it's redistricting time. Super, super important for you to go and get your voices heard. Of course, voting is just the beginning, but we need that beginning. Love y'all. Thanks for tuning in. For all my children of the light, born in the sinning, but steady striving to do right. My people are warriors. All we know is to fight. Pray. They see God in everything I write. Yeah. Yeah.